Hey, it's Alan Carter. Here's what's coming up on the show today. Charles McVitie and the Canada Christian College rewarded for the support of Doug Ford. Plus, showdown in Ottawa. Janie Byrne on what's happening with Justin Trudeau and the possibility of an election. Plus, Nick Nurse and his new book, Rapture. All that coming up. Let's get to it. I hope you're having a good day. You know what I like? I like words. I do. I enjoy words. I enjoy different kinds of words, learning new words, new definitions, trying to weave them into a sentence because, you know, it makes me sound smart. I like that. I like the crossword. My wife is way better at it than I am. You know, my wife's family does the crossword in pen, which to me is just, it's just begging for disaster. I just can't be that guy. I can't do it. But let's check some words, shall we? What do we got for words today? Oh, here's a word I like. Hubris. Hubris. Defined as excessive pride or self-confidence. Let me try using that bad boy in a sentence. Let me see. What do I got? Hmm. Oh, how about this? In 2020, the Trudeau liberals were filled with hubris and dared the political opposition to force an election. Well, that would work. Hubris. What's going on right now in Ottawa is just the theater of the absurd. Is it not? It is just madness. How is it we're in a place where we're actually seriously talking about an election? A snap election right now? And are you shaking your fist and saying, That Trudeau! Is that what you're doing? Because, you know, there are good reasons to do that, absolutely. But were you doing that when Stephen Harper was doing the same kind of thing, pulling the same kind of moves, pro-Rogan? Now, sure, Justin Trudeau, you know, was elected saying, well, I'm not going to do that, and then does it. Won't be doing that, does that. Whatever, whatever it was that he ran on in 2015 saying, this thing that Harper's doing is absolutely I won't do it. I just won't do it. It does all of it. We're going to get into all of that. Jenny Byrne, former advisor to Stephen Harper and former principal secretary to Doug Ford, joining me in the next segment to talk more about it. I have updates for you on what's going on. As you know, it's kind of up to the NDP. One o'clock today, Jagmeet Singh will be speaking. We'll carry that live. But even if... The NDP abstained, which is a possibility. They're not going to vote for the conservative motion. That's not going to happen. But they might abstain, which means then it comes down to the Greens. And the Green Party, the new Green Party leader, just uh, put out a tweet that basically said, this is ridiculous. Not going to force an election, essentially. I'm going to breed that to you. That's all that's coming up. But let's get back to our dictionary. What do we got here? Obfuscate. Ooh, that's a good one. Obfuscate. I can barely pronounce it. It's defined as to confuse, bewilder, stupefy, and to make obscure or unclear. Let me try using that bad boy in a sentence if I can pronounce it. Obfuscate. In Ontario in 2020, Doug Ford used an omnibus bill to obfuscate the true intentions of the conservative government. There it is. That's how you... That's how you wield that guy. Throw that right there. Are you kidding me? Omnibus coming through, folks. What's in this omnibus bill? 
there's a couple of them that have been going through the old legislature at Queens Park, and every once in a while, they say, well, what is this thing in here for? For example, one of the things that's in the, one of the omnibus bills is ranked ballots. Ranked ballots. Now, do you know anything about ranked ballots? I know you don't. You know, this is like forcing you to eat vegetables to talk about ranked ballots. It really is. The ranked ballot, basically that works. As a voter, you put in a preference or you rank your candidates. uh, And then basically, if if the top one doesn't get 50%, then the bottom one comes off and then you check and you do it again. And and this is a way to make things more equitable as opposed to the first past the post system. Does any of this ring a bell? I know. I, uh, Sir? Ma'am, could you wake up? I'm sorry. I apologize. I'm not going to talk about it much because really, like most Canadians, I don't care. I really don't. But Shelly Carroll saying it's an outrage, a Toronto City Councillor. John Tory saying it's a disappointment. John Tory seems to be endlessly disappointed by something or other. So, you know, people are upset about it. And they're like, why are we doing this? And the the provincial government is saying, we need to concentrate on COVID. We can't have this. So basically, it's it's out. And people are upset about it. But you know what? That's not the one that rankles me, that I'm all obfuscated about. Oh, that's not the way you use it. But this is the one that rankles me, that gets me going. It's all to do with Canada Christian College. What is that? It is a Whitby-based college, and in one of these omnibus bills, the provincial government has decided to allow Canada Christian College to be a degree-granting institution. You can get a degree from this place if this bill becomes law. And keep in mind, unlike the Trudeau Liberals, Doug Ford has a majority. He doesn't have to resort to any kind of, you know, prorogation or anything else like that. He can just, just law there. Now, wh- why is this something that rankles and sticks out to me? Well, let me read you this part. Anti-racism critic for the NDP, Laura May Lindo, says that the Whitby-based college, Canada Christian College, has a, quote, long-standing and ongoing record of Islamophobic, transphobic, and homophobic bigotry. And she accuses the progressive conservatives of just trying to sneak this thing through. Now, before we go any further here, I think I need to come clear a little bit, come clean, pardon me, a little bit about my upbringing. And I hope you will pardon me as I just talk about this for just one moment, because it informs what you are going to hear next. And that is, I grew up in Burlington, Ontario, uh, in the suburbs, and uh, we, we were a religious family, church every week. Um, and as I grew, uh, my best friend was, as I got older, was, uh, his father was a pastor. And then as I got into my tweens, I became very active in the church. And through my teen years, uh, this was something that I was convinced. I was an evangelist. And for a number of different reasons, over the following decade, the scales fell from my eyes, and I began to see the world as a rational place 
guided by science. And although I retain a great deep respect for those of faith, I no longer share it. But I understand where it comes from, and I understand what Canada Christian College is all about. And I give you that for some context and perspective. Because who is the president of Canada Christian College? It is a man by the name of Charles McVitie. And Mr. McVitie has led campaigns against LGBTQ. He has been a controversial figure even within the Christian movement, even within the Christian uh, community in this province who see him as an outlier. And not only that, and this is the most important bit, he is a friend of Doug Ford. And prior to the last provincial election, Mr. McVitie, marshaled his resources and counseled his flock to put their votes behind Doug Ford. Here is Charles McVitie in a Facebook video prior to the 2018 provincial election. Go to www.fordforleader.com, get all your friends, and we'll look forward to victory on June the 7th as this Ontario province will take a new direction. God bless you. That is Charles McVitie, the president of Canada Christian College. This is after Mr. McVitie helped to secure Doug Ford's leadership of the PC party. Mr. McVitie was part of the contingent with Tanya Granick Island leading up to that leadership. And of course, if you know about what happened, the leadership and Doug Ford just, just by a whisker just by a whisker, best Christine Elliott for the leadership of the party. And he does so with the support of the social conservatives who, in a ranked ballot, ain't that ironic, in a ranked ballot, (coughs) chose Doug Ford as their second choice. And so those votes go to Doug Ford, who becomes leader, and then those voters are encouraged to vote for him, and he becomes premier, and now... You can get a degree from Canada Christian College. A college with a leader who is, and I will reserve my personal opinion on Mr. McVitie because I don't think it helps anything. It doesn't help the, the dialogue. doesn't change what's happening. I think perhaps as I laid out for you my upbringing and where I come from, I think you can, I think you can take away from that what I might think. But in there, in that omnibus bill, Canada Christian College, led by a man described by others as Islamophobic, transphobic, and homophobic, will now be able to get yourself a degree. Isn't that nice? Nice little cap there. 
Let's go back to our dictionary. Recompense. Recompense. Defined as to give what is owed for. Let me try that in a sentence. Doug Ford had to recompense a bigoted homophobe for helping him win the leadership in the election, so he made his school a degree-granting institution. That's how that bad boy is used. Can you believe where we are here in the country right now? Like, what is going on? We're actually going to be watching what's going on in the House of Commons this afternoon for a vote? What is what is happening? I, at one o'clock today, Jugmeet Singh is going to be live on this radio station. He's gonna he's gonna upstage Doug Ford. No, ain't nobody upstage Dofo. Upstage Dofo. I blew that joke. Uh, Jugmeet Singh. That is weak. I know. I'm sorry, Doug. I apologize. Uh, at one o'clock, Jugmeet Singh will be speaking, and we got to figure out what the NDP is going to do. Are they going to vote with the conservatives? That's not going to happen. Are they going to abstain? It's a possibility. Strong possibility. Or are they going to vote for? Or vote against the conservative motion, which there are negotiations underway right now. But if the NDP abstains, then it comes down to the Green Party. And oh, isn't that fun? Uh, Anime Green, the new leader of the Greens, tweeting this morning ahead of today's vote on the conservative motion to create a special committee. I would like to remind all members of Parliament that people in Canada are counting on us to keep our eye on the ball and focus on their needs. Anything else is just unwelcome drama. You can... Take away from that, I guess, that the Greens no way, no how will be the ones to be responsible for forcing an election. To get a better read on what's really going on here, I'm pleased to welcome back to the program Jenny Byrne, former advisor to Stephen Harper and former principal secretary to Doug Ford. Hey, Jenny. Hi, how are you doing? I'm good. Now this, I mean, as a political watcher, you got to love this. Oh yeah, no. The days like this are, are kind of like holidays, where you're where you're sitting and uh, waiting on the edge of your seat to what political leaders are going to say uh, on your show here, as you said, in 40 minutes. So, and, and, are you really waiting with any bated breath for Jagmeet Singh? Is it not sort of a fait accompli? Well, I think he definitely, Jagmeet Singh probably does not want an election. But at the end of the day, I don't think it's really going to be his choice. I think at the at, at the end of the day. Um, we will go into an election if Justin Trudeau and the Liberal Party uh, have made the decision that it is advantageous for them to go into an election now. That's ultimately uh, the ball is solely in uh, the prime minister and the Liberal Party's uh, um, uh, court right now. I mean, I, I appreciate the narratives of saying that the, the prime minister wants an election above all else. But is this not can we not also read this as hardball tactics by the Liberals to be able to say, no, absolutely, we're shutting down this motion, uh, and we're using the threat of an election to do so. Well, it could it, 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 it could be a bit of bluster with that, but at the end of the day, the motion just solely asks that uh, the House of Commons set up a parliamentary committee um, to study the programs that the Liberals have instituted over the last six months. Uh, a pandemic-type uh, review of programs isn't something that is is unique. Uh, the conservative government here in Ontario has a cabinet committee solely that that deals with pandemics. Christian Freeland with Justin Trudeau's own party chairs the cabinet committee for uh, pandemic preparedness. So the Liberals are turning a very logistical motion um, uh, around trying to say that it's a confidence motion, but they're the only ones saying that. But it, but that's not the sticking point. The sticking point is the we charity stuff and the and the stuff to do with, with Trudeau's family. 
Well, but those are questions that, that have already been talked about in a parliamentary committee. Uh, so it's not going to be any, uh, any surprise. And it's only, uh, you know, half a billion dollars uh, of what spending has happened over the last, uh, over the last six months. I mean, regardless of what you, we had to say about the, these tactics, and, and I just leave that for aside, aside for a moment. Uh, I, I think we, we have to take a longer view on this. Is This is precisely what has been happening for some time. I, I will quote John Iveson uh, in the National Post writing today that uh, what is happening in Ottawa right now is a worrying extension of the executive democracy favored by his predecessor, Stephen Harper, where the center often attempted to reduce the House of Commons to irrelevancy. What's your take on that? Well, I think that's uh, that's unfair and untrue. Uh, uh, the only prime minister uh, in uh, that has shut down Parliament from from meeting is uh, uh, recently is Justin Trudeau, which which he did so in May with the help of uh, with the help of Jagmeet Singh. So I think that's unfair to try to turn uh, this government refusing uh, to be held accountable for billions and billions of dollars of spending decisions uh, uh, as a problem that Stephen Harper had. Uh, Mr. Harper hasn't been prime minister in, in over uh, in over five years now. I'm not trying to make that uh, as the point. I think the point I'm making is that this is a continuation of the tactics that we have seen for some time in Ottawa, regardless of political stripe. I don't think so. I don't think he, there, there's not been a time where uh, Stephen Harper stood up and decided that an opposition day motion that did not um, call for confidence in the government uh, would be deemed one. Uh, in 2011, when the government fell um, uh, leading into that campaign, uh, the liberal motion uh, specifically said, uh, we do not have confidence in the government. It specifically said that. You know what I'm I'm really reminded of here is, and this is from my perspective of being the former Queen's Park Bureau Chief, is I'm really reminded of what happened when Dalton McGuinty went from majority into minority, and his government still acted as if it had a majority. And I almost have a sense that that may be happening to the Trudeau Liberals right now. Yeah, I agree. I, I think that's I think that's that's a very fair statement to uh, I think that's a very uh, fair statement to make. And I think that one of the factors that they're looking at um, is the fact that right now the public polls have uh, all politicians doing very well post COVID, and it puts depending on the public poll you're looking at, it puts uh, Justin Trudeau three to six points above where he uh, ended the last election, meaning it puts them back in majority territory. And I think that's. Um, that's probably a factor uh, that this government is looking for, looking at as well. But they have to realize that, you know, this time around, they're not going up against Andrew Scheer. It's a different ballgame now. Agreed. Agreed. And I think that that's probably, I think there's probably a ton of considerations that all political parties are doing right now. But I think that what we will see over the next few hours is that if uh, the Liberal Party and Justin Trudeau want an election, that will be the, that will, that will be the signaling as, as to what is going to happen with this, uh, what's going to happen with this vote. You got a bet on what's happening this afternoon? I, I honestly, I, 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 uh, I, I do not, I do not know, and I don't take bets on uh, politics usually. Uh, uh, that gets me in trouble. <laughs> All right, Jenny Bird, thank you so much. I really appreciate your perspective today. Thanks so much. Bye. Uh, that is Jenny Byrne, who is former advisor to Prime Minister Stephen Harper and former principal secretary to Doug Ford. Raptors coach Nick Nurse spent five seasons as an assistant in Toronto. 
In his first season as the team's head coach, he won the NBA championship. And this year, he was named the league's coach of the year. Add author to his growing resume. His new book, Rapture, chronicles his approach to coaching, and it's out now, and he joins us now to talk about it. Welcome, Coach. Early in your book, you write that all athletes have anxiety, no matter what level or what skill. What's your approach to helping someone overcome their anxiety? Well, I think the biggest thing is preparation, right? You like to give them a good game plan and and show them how they fit into that game plan and um, make sure they're comfortable with it, that they understand it, and that it fits um, what they think they can fulfill going into the game. Is that something you extend in other parts of your life to friends and family, just helping people? Because I think we all deal with anxiety. Yeah, I think so. I think that um, any day or any week or any goal, right, needs a plan and uh, something that's kind of pre-thought out. I think that that helps lessen the anxiety if you can you can plan your day out, right, and and then handle any surprises with uh, with some grace and understand you're going to have some some things not go your way during the day, but get right back to a positive attitude as soon as you can. You coached in Europe. You coached in the D League before making it to the, making it to the NBA. And you write in your book that partly part of the reason that you wrote it is to show people how to get back up when you've been knocked down. Where does that drive to get back up come for you? Well, um, I think it's just a little bit of a never quit attitude. A um, little bit about the environment I grew up in as well. I'm the youngest. I got five older brothers. So as you might imagine, I got I did get knocked down a few times, uh, sometimes several times a day, actually. But uh, yeah, just, just um, you know, really in, in life, trying to look at the positive side of things, even even, you know, even understanding and realizing you're not always going to going to have things go your way. And when they don't try to try to not lose or accept losing and don't lose the lesson and, and get up and get going again the next day. Music, I know, is so important to you. You play, you have a large record collection, and you write that that bas- basketball to you is kind of like jazz. What do you mean by that? Well, we like to talk about our offense certainly being like jazz, right? It's a group of guys playing. We have some structure and some ideas of, of what we're, we want to do or, or the song that's going to be played. But within that song, we want uh, everybody to kind of do their thing, their solo act and show their incredibleness. And um, we like to leave some space for that so the guys can show how spectacular they are. Is that a key to coaching, leaving space for individual players? Well, I think it is. I think uh, you won't find out how great they can become if that space isn't allowed to be there. If the system's too rigid or too robotic, um, you won't understand some or see some of the great potential or exceeding even the potential that they see in themselves we talk a moment about uh, Kawhi leonard you detail a moment in your book where he speaks up in a raptors locker room and you, you write that everybody's head sort of spun around because as you said the quiet man had spoken is there a lesson there about the power of being quiet well, I think I kind of parallel that in my book. I, I say that my voice as a coach is a finite resource, and I think I don't try to use it all that often during the early parts of the season or during the regular season because I still want it to be impactful or most impactful in the playoffs. So I think 
that runs along the same lines of uh, the quiet man, Kawhi, finally speaking up and, and grabbing everybody's attention. The conventional wisdom of a coach is someone who's going to chew you out or yell at you or you know yell at a team to try and get them up and motivated, but that doesn't seem to be your style at all. No, I, well, I wouldn't say I never do it, right? But again, that's one of those things um, that that just doesn't fly very well, and it isn't very much fun as a coach to 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 even do that. Every now and then you do. You have to you have to pick them up and and uh, get on them a little bit or prod them a little bit, whatever that whatever that is. But most of the time, you want to encourage, show the positive side of things, show them. Uh, what they can become or show them the vision and the plan of what they can become and go from there. I, I mentioned how often you moved around before coming to the NBA and coming to Toronto. I mean, Toronto is home for you for years now. I mean, does it feel like home? Oh, hundred percent. Seven years is, is, is by far the longest stop in one place of my coaching career. Um, both my little boys born here in Toronto already have their passports, so it's definitely becoming home. Well, congratulations on the book. Congratulations on being Coach of the Year, and thank you so much for your time today. Thank you for having me on. I really enjoyed it. That is Raptors coach Nick Nurse. He had a conversation aired on Global News on the evening news last night. Uh, interesting to to speak to with uh, Coach Nurse, and uh, I, I, I don't know if you know this, um, but I have been told numerous times that I bear a certain resemblance to Nick Nurse. Give your head a shake. <laughs> well, it's, that's what I say, Doug Ford. I, say, I don't know if I see it, uh, but especially when he's wearing his glasses, uh, and I wear glasses as well. Um, there's, um, apparently according, um, to family members and some others that I do bear a resemblance to Nick Nurse. And when I was covering, when I was covering the, uh, Raptors championship run, you know, I was with him, I think in Milwaukee, I think it might've been. And I, I asked him a question and, um, he didn't, he didn't answer my question. It was because of a dumb question anyway. But then later, Nick Nurse is just the nicest guy came over and he actually came over and said, look, I'm sorry. I didn't ask your question. I just, you know, it was of a personal nature and I just don't answer this kind of questions and scrums. And I, I, you know, I said, well, you, you know, I appreciate you saying that. I, and I told him, I said, uh, you, you know, my family keeps telling me I, you and I look a lot alike. And no word of a lie, Nick Nurse looked me up and down. He just looked at me. He looked me up and down. He didn't say a word. He just turned around and walked away. <laughs> Still not 100% sure what that meant. Listen, we got to talk a little bit more about Zoom Dick. Can we talk about the Zoom Dick? Because the Zoom Dick incident, as you probably know about it by now, this is where the uh, writer for the uh, New Yorker, CNN, uh, guy Jeffrey Tubin uh, exposes himself. Apparently, was uh, masturbating while on a Zoom call. He said it was by mistake. He thought he turned his video off. And there are there are defenders out there. There are actual defenders out there. And there's a bit of a Zoom dick divide now. Sheba Siddiqui is my producer and joins me with joins me now just briefly to talk about the Zoom dick divide. Can you believe this, Sheba? People defending the Tubin. I can believe it. I'm not surprised, and I don't understand it. 
what I'm seeing, the narrative online that I'm seeing primarily from men is, uh-huh. first of all, how could he not have known his camera was on? So my concern in that is, how could he have even pulled out his penis in the first place during a work Zoom? I mean, forget if his camera is on or off. Who does that during a work call, Carter? Is this a thing that women don't know about? Just, I am not speaking for my gender here. I am not responsible. Some, please, I am not to blame. Uh, but you make a you make a good point because the the the, the people who are sort of upset and defending Tubin are defending him uh, on the basis of look, anybody could forget to turn off their camera. Uh, no, and hey, no. when, when <laughs> but that's as you say, that's not the issue. No, who you're on a work call for an election for election planning? What are you doing with your pants down? First of all, and then the second those calls thing, can be boring. Hashtag. I guess is the point. <laughs> that's the get a book or something. <laughs> I don't know. Really, get yourself a snack, something. Um, there's also a hashtag that's trending now because of yes. this hashtag Me Too bit. Yes. Have you seen this? I've seen it everywhere. And I, and, and here's the thing that I, I think I paid most attention to is a, a number of uh, women who I follow on Twitter are, you know, kind of offended by it. There's like somehow Absolutely. lump this in here. And, 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 you know, I was guilty and have been guilty of, of making some juvenile jokes about it. But as you point out, it's not a joke. Okay, so I do see the humor in it, but when you're hashtag MeTubing it, no, that's inappropriate. So it's the appropriation of the hashtag MeToo hashtag, which in itself, it's meant for survivors of sexual violence to feel heard and supported. So for men to be using hashtag MeTubing to joke about masturbating at work, I think it's incredibly disrespectful to the men and women who even came forward during that time with their trauma. Could, did When the week began, did you expect to be saying the words masturbating at work on the radio? I did not, but I have to tell you that the minute, I, the second that I saw this story, uh-huh. the first person that came to mind was uh, Alan Carter. Now, see, why? Why would you say <laughs> that? Why would a story about a guy pulling out his... Uh, <laughs> His his laser pointer during a uh, presentation. Why would that penis, make you Alan, think you, of me? You can say the word. You can say the word. My four-year-old says the word. His penis. Uh, because, I don't know, I just thought it was so hilarious and out there, and it had Alan Carter written all over it. No, no, no. The penis does not have <laughs> that, that written all over it. In that, you needed to discuss this on the air. I knew, I knew okay. that we had to talk about this. Yeah, well, we have... Uh, we have really discussed the Zoom dick. We've really, we've gone over the Zoom dick quite a bit now. Thank you. That is Shiba Siddiqui, my uh, esteemed producer here. That's the podcast for today. Don't forget to catch the Alan Carter Show weekdays starting at noon.